Oh my god, how exciting. Slick. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Um, Keep it in your pants. Oh, I can't. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just... It's been so watching long. Watching this movie got me so so excited. Excited so to consider roused. the ramifications of French involvement in Algeria? No, not that part. No? Nah? That's the depressing part. I want to talk about the kinky stuff. Oy. All right, if you must. I'm so excited. Anything that involves like a woman with blood on her face. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Okay, hold on. T- t- time out. I'm making the T motion with my hands. What is it with you and blood-covered people? Because I have a distinct memory, and I'm pretty sure that it's you. Around the time Drive came out. Oh my god! And around Leave the time, my fetish like, alone. hold on. Around the time Drive came out, and like the the first like promo images, one of them was Ryan Gosling all be jacketed in satin and just drenched in blood. And I distinctly remember you going or saying something along the lines of, "I have a massive erection because of okay, this picture." Okay, so like, okay, so really quick, have I never talked about my my blood, blood fetish? fetish? Oh my god, just this? that's two words that should be together, dog. It's not. It's not like. I don't blood have fetish. like a fetish for like I don't want like to be covered in blood, but like let's just say like a guy gets into a fight and then he comes up to you afterwards and he's like a little beaten up and he has some blood on his face and then I get to like wipe that blood off or like it stays on him and then we have sex like that's hot. There's something about a beat up man that just gets me off. Let let it be let it be known, one that I am kink shaming you in this moment. <laughs> I am shaming. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I am kink shame. I, I, I am shaming your uh, your hemoglobin kink. Let me live. Uh, Let me fucking I mean, live. I mean, I mean, you can live all you want, just as long as you live in shame. Nah, I'll deal with it. Okay. <laughs> you reveal a lot of shit on this show, man. I do. I really do. See, I I come here with the idea that I want to entertain and inform people in a like semi-comedic way and bring like you know whatever small amount of expertise that i have incurred in my time as a as a as a film guy and basically you're telling jackoff stories which is i can do both <laughs> why can't i be multifaceted oh man okay i think that's enough so welcome to episode 30 we made it kids the big three O. I was stuck in the middle Ooh. with you, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gade. I'm the Canadian half of this show, and from the land of the free, home of the brave, and also the presumably quite horny, America, is my friend, collaborator, and good friend, Juan Burkeen. Say hi, Juan. Friend, collaborator, and good friend Juan Barkeen right here. Hello, reporting for duty. I thought I had said something else, but I guess I said friend twice. <laughs> no, but, you are, but I love it. But you are my friend. <laughs> so, Derek, what movie did we watch this week? Well, first I want I want you, Juan, to explain to the fans why it's been so fucking long since an episode has come out. Oh, fair. Um, So what happened was that I had two film festivals back-to-back, which took up approximately, like three and a half to four weeks of my time and it was very draining and exciting and um you can find all of my coverage of those things at the miami new times and also like probably some of it on dim the house lights actually a fair amount of it on dim the house lights yeah there's a decent chunk of it on dim the house lights yeah i reviewed the xavier dolan film xavier uh, xavier dolan 
whatever. Fucking fucking, fucking Anglo fucking American. Well, Xavier Dolan. Xavier Dolan, man. Xavier Dolan. Whatever. I, I mean, Xavier I don't Dolan. like I don't like the guy, but at least I have the fucking you know level of politeness to say his name right. I reviewed the Xavier Dolan film. Uh, it's only, it's the, end only the, the end of the world, which is I think it's great. A lot of people don't, and I've also reviewed a couple of others and a bunch of short films from Borst Corporation, who is um, a really cool set of people making cool movies, and also they are the reason Moonlight exists. So yeah, best picture winner Moonlight. Yeah, it's, it's a round of applause from my city. Yeah, uh, a very Miami movie won Best Picture. Yeah, I'm super thrilled about it. But um, but we're not yeah, here to talk so... about Moonlight. We're here to talk about a different movie that isn't quite as good as Moonlight. <laughs> no, no, nowhere fucking near as good. Although it does have one of the greatest actresses of all time, and she should have won Best Actress instead of Emma Stone, and we could have avoided the entire fucking fiasco that happened at the end of the Oscars. But whatever, anyway. Well, it would have been a different fiasco because at that point it would have been announced that Elle would have won Best Picture. I and I would have lost <laughs> an, my shit. An award that it wasn't nominated for. <laughs> I would have absolutely lost my shit. That would have been super weird. I know. Anyway, that would have no, been the best day of my life. Yeah, the actress, in case you haven't guessed yet, that Juan is referring to is Isabelle Dupaya, uh, one of the best actresses, if not the best actress of her generation. And yes. the film in question is Tip Top, directed by Serge Bozon, released in 2013. This is pretty recent. I think this is one of the more recent things that we've covered on the show. Yeah. So Juan... This this question that I'm about to ask you feels more loaded than it usually is. What the hell is Tip Top about? Juan, <laughs> please help me. Attack on me. Okay, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give a general outline and then I'm going to split it up into pieces. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Tip Top is about an Algerian informant yes. who is found murdered. And then it is about the investigation that goes into, like, finding his murderer as well as, like, anything tangibly related to that. But so then we split up into factions of this investigation. We have two female investigators, which are uh, Isabelle Huppert and um, Sandrine Kimberlain. One of them is obviously, like, very... I don't like assertive and talkative and she sounds like she's in a screwball comedy and then the other is this very timid shy woman who like looks up to the other one kind of like a good cop bad cop thing a little bit except uh, I don't know if I would call the older one a bad cop but anyway uh in addition to them there's also this like mess of a dude who is also like a cop and he like but he seems to have like a good nature to him he's a good person he's just a fucking he's kind of a schlub yeah schlub is a good word and then there's um another algerian informant who's like a naive like they call him naive like four times i think all of this is happening (laughs) at once and then on top of that it is like a series of absurd scenes strung together it's very not to generalize too much this is very very french this is supremely continental 
it's a very droll comedy. It's not like it's not like jokes like you or me would make. This is a French comedy. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I've seen a lot of French comedies. Yeah, I know like, that. I yeah, I know it's not. Some of them are good. <laughs> some some of them are good. You know, surprisingly enough, I'm from Quebec. Yes, I, I've got a weird relationship with French humor, French Canadian humor, and French humor from the continent. Because mm-hmm. I was kind of weaned on a completely different style of comedy, mostly like you know, like, you know, Anglo, you mm-hmm. know, American comedy, sort of uh, comedies from English Canada, etc. There are just fundamental differences in not just what is funny, but how you get how you get to that point in your joke. Mm-hmm. And this is like I think you had made the uh, made the observation to me that I don't know what parts of this movie to take seriously and what parts to take as a joke. Exactly, because the whole movie is trying to be this weird mixture of like serious crime drama that has some kind of commentary to make on like how the French treat Algerians mm-hmm. and, and like a like, sex farce. Not just a sex farce; it's like a screwball comedy mixed with a sex farce, mixed with just these really like absurdist moments that don't make any like okay there's a scene where the informant decides to the dance number in the bar oh yeah the the Vautravay-esque dance scene at the bar (laughs) yes it literally has no purpose to be there then you have another scene where the 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 older cop he he goes up to a guy who's selling shoes on the street he takes off his shoes he tries on new shoes as he's talking on the phone he takes off those new shoes. He walks away without his shoes on. He bumps into a trash can and then sprints back to put on his actual shoes and then walks the opposite way where he was going. How droll. <laughs> it's so... It's so weird. <laughs> aggravating. <laughs> it's super bizarre. Um, that dance number, as performed by Ayman Saidzi, was my, the favorite, my favorite part of the film. It was really? the highlight for me of the film. Because I think I would have liked it better in a different movie. In that moment, the movie embraced its kind of lunacy. Yes. But, okay, so that's not the only scene that it... Again, I do like the moments of, like, ridiculous... It's so and, weird. Like, when it embraces its ridiculous moments, but like... Because it is ostensibly a comedy, that's the thing, right? Yes. Or so, or so it proposes to be. I mean that's what that's what Wikipedia says so let's just say that that's the case. <laughs> These two female detectives. There's like okay, it also tries to make some kind of commentary on like being a woman in the workplace, although it never actually goes anywhere with that. Not really. Nah. Again, like I think this movie every time it tries to be a drama, it fails. Cuz it's got like it's got the two internal affairs uh like, uh, officers played by Zebedee Bayer and Sandrine Kiberlain and it's got the schlubby dude that just is kind of see this is I don't know if it's a matter of like performance or just the way it's framed or sincerity or I don't know but his schlubbiness felt like a put on yes like the fact that he was kind of slovenly and kind of like sexist and felt like it was a professional put on like that this is the persona this is his police persona yes i don't disagree that he he inhabits but to what end he does that i don't know is it just some undercover thing or 
because it doesn't really go anywhere with the women because no. he's really more associated with Eunice, who is the the young naive informant. Yeah, and then he also has this thing with like a reporter, and it's a weird subplot, and it has a gay joke, and I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> when he's like, ugh. he so there's a scene where he's trying to like go through a dude's pockets. Uh, a dead guy's pockets in the middle of a park. Oh yeah, Jesus morning. fucking Christ! I forgot. And then about it looks this. like he's humping the guy, and a journalist from far away reports it as like you know they're fucking in the woods or whatever. <laughs> and it was it was just uh, this movie has a lot of little strands that go absolutely nowhere. I mean that's a very broad joke in a movie made out of just weird little jokes, which is yeah a really bizarre okay. Here's my theory. Okay, go ahead. I, I got a theory about this. Mm-hmm. Serge Blazon, the mm-hmm. co-writer and full director of this motion picture, mm-hmm. is a film critic. That's his day job. That's what he does. He kind of Is it really? He pivoted from one to the other. He was, slash is, I'm not sure, a writer for a magazine called uh, Lettres du Cinéma. So it's kind of like a Nouvelle Vague-esque group of writer-directors with these kind of idiosyncrasies and this plays like a very writerly criticky movie with kind of like its own inverted language its own kind of codes that is that aren't immediately apparent to your eye just the random ass layperson because this is my first do-si-do with uh Boson's movies he's made a few already this is like his mm-hmm. fourth or fifth movie yeah, but oh, I mean, his last one, his most popular one, you told me was, or I also saw, was a World War One musical. Yes, La France. And that, that again, this just sounds so aggravating to me. I mean, it's like it's another kind of uh, writerly sort of thought exercise genre mashup. I just, I don't, I don't think it does it for me. I don't mind absurd critiques, but. But the critique kind of felt tacked well. on. Yeah, the that's kind of, the problem. The political aspect of the film feels, a mess. feels kind of spot-welded onto this weird provincial sex comedy. The, the integration is not super well done. Or at least it, it feels kind of jagged. Unless that jaggedness is, is part of the point, and then I just have to start interrogating my... If I have to start asking myself that question, that's like a red flag. Exactly, like doesn't matter if it's the point it's the question becomes then do we think he did it well or not and i don't think he did it well now that said there are filmmakers who do the relationships between the french and algerians very well i mean even though i don't care for this movie uh michael haneke's cachet cachet i think is a good example of like how to do that <laughs> this is not i thought you were gonna say like the battle of algiers <laughs> well yes battle of algiers feel... is like the fucking <laughs> which i feel is like I the mean, og yes i just thought cachet was like a different it's it's an interesting way to think of these two different movies put together i've got a quote here which may or may not shed light on uh what oh, we're God. saying right now uh pulled I'm it from scared. the uh from the website mubi.com that's m-u-b-i.com okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, this is uh, your friend and mine, Miriam Bale, Ooh, a, film, a film critic. 
uh, basically laying out what Bozo and, and friends are about. Quote, mm-hmm. the Lettres de Cinema group is not another new wave, but rather directly related to the original French new wave. These are critic filmmakers. Uh, that's critic hyphen filmmakers, most, obvi- mm-hmm. most obviously, but they also have a very similar relationship to classic films, to classic American films, especially as those original young Turks. Serge's group is bringing films back to a simplicity, primacy, and strangeness, also a group dynamic, parentheses, in production and theme, of classic film that was lost a little with the French directors since the 70s and 80s. Okay. So what say you? Eh. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, in fairness, I've only seen, like, this one movie, so I can't really comment on them as a whole. Yeah, same. These movies don't um, aren't super easy to come by, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, at all. Okay, so uh, I guess I'm curious. What did you think was the best part of this movie? Like, in, like as far as like, uh, like how it was put together, or or just like your favorite part mm. outside of like the dancing bit. Like, what do you think was your favorite? Because obviously it's split up into multiple aspects. So let's like, um, like mine would be the relationship between. Isabel, her husband, and uh, the younger detective. I mean, the husbands literally came in at the eleventh hour to engage yes. in like goofy BDSM sex. Yes, which I mean, I hate saying the okay. goofy BDSM sex was my favorite part of the movie, but I think it did add to <laughs> Isabel's performance, and I do like how this movie, among many others, always constantly proves to me how willing. Isabelle Huppert is like to go do fucking anything. Her oh, she's a pro. She she really throws herself into this thing a hundred percent. Incidentally, this is another movie where uh, Isabelle Huppert sleeps with a hammer underneath her pillow, though not for the yes. same reasons. Not at all. This time it's a lot kinkier. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, okay. yeah, yeah. So. Um, one of my favorite things about the movie is that in her performance is that she spends a fair share of the second act of this movie just licking blood that's falling off of her nose because she's all, like, beaten up because her and her husband get off by, like, beating the shit out of each other. And she just keeps licking drops of blood from her nose that are falling. And it's so stupid, but it's so 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 droll, So droll. Yes. Yes. And... (laughs) And um, the voyeurism for her partner is also interesting. It's like all of these... I actually think this would be a really amusing sex comedy if it wanted to be one. Yeah, I felt like none of that shit went anywhere. It didn't. I feel it was just kind of there. Uh, Again, like, that's, that's exactly it. This movie is just there. So many of the scenes are just there. And, like, the dance sequence made me think of, um... A movie I saw last year that I love with all of my heart, which is um, Chevalier. Oh yeah! And this whole movie is about like toxic masculinity and like absurd moments, and it leads up to this musical number that a guy performs to get them to give him points because the whole movie is about like getting points for doing X things that are either masculine or like pleases the other men, and like that musical number is like a great hilarious climax to that, but. That sounds super weird. This movie doesn't... It's so good, though. Um, but this movie doesn't give me any of that. I'm starting to think that this movie kind of feels like all these Greek movies we've been talking about 
either on or off the show recently like your mm, your chevaliers yes. and your and your lobsters and your and your uh shit what's the other one dog tooth probably dog tooth i i don't i just don't think i vibe with these movies man i don't well the thing is you vibed with tip top more than i did that's weird and i right? don't i think it's because tip top doesn't do absurdism as well as it thinks it does i think this is gonna be kind of lame of me because mm-hmm. in my letterbox review of this i wrote that it was kind of like a provincial hot fuzz yes that I it was that. that it was like but instead of like riffing on like like action movies from the 80s it was like riffing on french comedies from the 80s mm-hmm. and that at the beginning of the movie the it was like lit super flat and it looked like a TV show. Yes. And absolutely. And it's just just this smorgasbord of like of tones just yes. going at it. And sometimes but like every time they cut to a hotel room, it's a completely different aesthetic than the rest. Well, yeah, I mean just just the different hotel rooms. So when yeah, when we're in Sally's room, I, I mean I'm I'm watching something that I feel like uh, like Brian De Palma or Paul Schrader would have yes. done in the 80s. And when we're in uh, a Styles room, Isabelle Pio's character, I feel like I'm watching some something very, very European and very, very decadent. Mm-hmm. Like just this, like like a like a, like a comedy of morals. Yes. And so yeah, it's this smorgasbord of clashing tones, which I can appreciate if I know that's conceptually. Because I can appreciate it conceptually. Mm-hmm. But when you start sort of introducing overt political allegory. It becomes less interesting to me. If it's over the course of this podcast, it's occurred to me that when something breaks tone to become ex- like pointedly polemic, I lose all mm-hmm. interest. It happened with I get that. It, ha- it happened with sympathy for the devil, and it's happening again now. I don't know if this is like a French thing. It might be, but I can appreciate the juggling of tones. But weirdly, when it goes just right into polemicism, or at least overt sort of ham-fisted political allegory i i kind of check out because i feel like when there's like clashing tones going at it that sort of gives a movie a kind of energy it doesn't necessarily make the movie good although i did like this movie better than you yes you did but we still both seem to have similar issues it does give it does that part yeah the clashing tones give the movie energy but when it decides to go. Oh yeah! By the way, this movie is about French-Algerian relations. It's like, ah, okay. Exactly, and uh, I feel like I would have been happier with this movie had it not attempted to make any kind of commentary on that. Yeah, I mean, just like have your like most of your male cast be Algerian, and that yeah. is that's your political move, right? Yeah, I don't. I keep thinking of like other absurdist comedies that are French that I like much better. And we were actually discussing a filmmaker earlier that I think does it infinitely better, which is... Um... Quentin Dupieux. Yes, but, thank you. But he goes whole hog into yes. it. It's, it's not so and much... It's not Serge, so much... Sergei Bozon half-assed it. Well, it's not that... It's not, here, here's the thing. Here's where, we run, here's where we run the risk of fallacy, because I don't think he half-assed it in terms... No. <sighs> He just didn't. I think this is just a classic case of person has a set of aesthetic qualities that they mm-hmm. like, and I'm sure yes. we'll. I'm sure that if we venture further into his filmography, we'll see sort of 
similar patterns. We've got yes. the, the clashing tones, the clashing acting styles, the kind of moments unstuck from the film, the overt political allegory, and the kind of occasional grisly violence that comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Which, like, that gunshot in this movie also reminded me of Cachet, which I think was intended to do that, actually, as mediocrely as I thought it was done. What we have here is a case of I'm just not buying what you're selling, even though I know what you're selling is a thing. Yes, I think that is more or less. I I hate to say half-assed, but it's just what it feels like. Because... I just think it's half baked. Let me. That sounds better. If we me. circle back to Content's view, the tones don't clash, but it is idiosyncratic and bizarre, and taking from a very specific well of like old school surrealism. Yes. It's deliberately one tone. Yes. And this is just multiple tones, and the the movie's absurdist streak is just one thing. It's it's an absurdist. Uh, BDSM sex farce police procedural political allegory crime film mm-hmm. and one like if you keep if you spin all those plates some of them are going to fall mm-hmm. and um, I mean, that's 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 that I mean like there's really in case you haven't noticed ladies and gentlemen this movie is thing. very very hard to talk about yeah it's just not my thing overall um, I will say that, okay, so one instance that I thought actually mixed absurd and political very well was um, the Wall of Paintings. Oh, yeah. With um, Joan of Arc, Napoleon, uh, Jacques Chirac. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and uh, like Charles de Gaulle. They're good. But, like, that's that's one of those moments where it's, like, you would have never expected something like that. No, that was actually a moment of, like, poignancy in yes. this film. Which is weird because this is another thing about this film is that I feel like a lot of it was at arm's length. And then it tried to, like, draw us in. And mm-hmm. then push us away again. Yes. And that moment especially I thought was really good. Like, that's the emotional center of the film. Yes. Which is weird because this movie ostensibly wants to have several emotional centers. <laughs> Which it doesn't at all manage to do. I mean, I mean, at least one landed, right? I mean, Well, yeah, that's true. But again, uh, it's... it. Whatever, I can't. I, I'm just going to keep repeating the same thing. It's so... It's so I, I don't think this movie is bad, but I do think this movie is like... It's kind of... It's bizarrely dense. Yes. It's too at odds with itself to be as good as it should. It's such a bizarre film. And it's not like narratively weird in terms of like no, uh, it's not. It's framing or story or flow. Actually. But it's kind of put together in this like weird kind of cubist way where you yes. see like different facets of like you, you see it's like as if you only see one facet of the story at a time, but over time mm-hmm. it kind of becomes this weird cubist painting that looks like a movie. Which, again, I can appreciate, but I don't know if I like. <laughs> I mean, I liked it better than you. I thought it was fine, ultimately. But Spoilers for Final it. Judgments, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're about to get to Final Judgments. Yeah, I guess anyway. so, right? Unless you have anything else to add, which I don't. Uh, Isabelle Huppert is very good in this movie. She's, a, she's, she's excellent. She's a pro. She throws herself into this 100%. And 
I've not seen. I don't think I've seen Sandrine Kiberlain in anything else. She plays weedy pretty good, and I feel like if her, she was a stocky voyeur type, she didn't give off like the vibes of someone who was like creepy as shit. Yeah, it was very casual. Uh, yeah, which again, I feel like that could be the point. But if again, if I have to ask that question, are you are you like anyway, death of the author and all that, right? Yeah. So um, we're about we're about a half hour in to this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we can just go to the final judgments. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna give it a Rodden because. Oh. Okay. Like I hate saying that, but like I don't know. It just I couldn't vibe with it. I think it's just it clashes with itself way too much. See, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it could be a bad thing, but. Like generally, when a movie is at odds with itself in terms of tone or whatever else, oftentimes it's galvanizing, which is why I'm going to give this movie the slimmest of freshes. I'm gonna give this one a fresh because I feel yeah, I, like I want to give it the slimmest of of rottens. Okay, because <laughs> I mean, if you happen upon this movie, you should definitely check it out because I feel like it's really like a kind of Rorschach test. To see what, not necessarily what you value in a film, but what sticks out at you among seven or eight different things. Because this movie's got them all. And they're not super interwoven. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, split decision on uh, Serge Bozon's tip-top. My goodness, we're so wild. Yeah, it, it shows that our, we disagree, but we don't disagree that much because we're not like yelling at each other like we agree on a lot of things but on like one core thing we disagree yeah. and that's basically <laughs> splits the vote so uh traditionally after we wrap up discussion of the film we go right into recommendations oh my god in which i don't even know what i'm gonna recommend where to remind my dear friend uh where we recommend a film uh but uh, we are limited to a film that is uh that shares either a director a cast member or a year in genre with the movie we did, aka Tip Top. So, JB, what do you got? Oh, I can't do this. That's so hard. Um, I don't know. I have like over a hundred Isabel movies to pick. I don't like a hundred. This is she's done like over a hundred movies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but have you seen all of them? Is my question. No, I haven't. Yeah, well, you know. I love her. I don't care. I'll every sing, watch every single Isabel Hubert movie. Uh, no, you know what? Oh, man. Oh, oh. Who do I want to pick? Who do I want to pick? Who do I want to pick? You can make this super easy on yourself and just go with L. No, that's boring. <laughs> I, everyone knows I love L. Um, do I'm they, though? Do they? Pick, I feel like everyone should know I love L. L. I mean, I'm saying it right now. L's amazing. L's really oh, good. I'm yawning. Oh. L's pretty <laughs> magnificent. L is magnificent. Um, I'm going to go with. I brought up another Michael Haneke film, so I'm oh, gonna go ahead. Okay, I see where you're going with this. And say the piano teacher. All right, la, la pianiste. La pianiste. Um, it is about a masochistic piano teacher, and that's really all I want to say because it's a really beautiful, slightly fucked up really really good movie that's all hinges on isabel's performance in it and it's so so excellent 
and I love it with all of my heart, and you should all watch it. Uh, yeah. That's... What's your recommendation? <laughs> I'm gonna bend, twist the rules a little bit on uh, mm-hmm. on this recommendation. I'm gonna go with a film from 2013, though it's not strictly a comedy. Mm-hmm. It does do clashing tones with a master's hand, and that film is Snowpiercer. Oh. Snowpiercer is just this mashup of weird comedy, absurdist elements, action movie tropes. And again, this has like a a literalized metaphor as its core component. But Mm -hmm. it does it in such a way that it doesn't draw attention to itself, despite the fact that it's the entire gimmick. Yeah. Right? I agree. Uh, This is a uh, Bong Joon-ho joint, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is, and it's an excellent one. It's and the cast is super stacked. I mean, in fairness, he's never made a bad movie. Tilda Swinton's performance in this movie kind of exemplifies the kind of weird comedy slash unnerving kind of thriller vibe that Tip Top sometimes gives off, but never really pays off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just this bizarre, idiosyncratic piece of work. That's a, it's a magnificent film, so uh, yeah, Snowpiercer, get on it. Actually, Do don't it. don't get on it because you're gonna yeah, cir- don't get on you're gonna it, circle but, like, the earth watch it. on a on a train <laughs> in a frozen wasteland. But do watch Unlikely the movie. Unlikely in like total miserable poverty. And um, al- and also, uh, if if you'll allow me one final French connection, it is based on a French ooh. comic called yes, Le Transpersonnage, which you should probably pick up and read as well. Uh, so all right, um, all right. So what are we going to watch next week? Uh, well, we'll watch it next week. The episode's going to drop in two weeks. If someone else on the pod is going to be willing to record, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you won. Um, there's a, there's a lot of really good ones that we could pick. There's and there's a lot of really weird ones we could pick because, I mean, the whole gimmick of the podcast is that we want to pick kind of like the the forgotten scraps of the middle. Mm-hmm. So, in the spirit of like just picking at the weird scraps of our of our collective culture, and just to do a fucking stupid action movie again, because I love me some stupid action movies. Oh God! Uh, we are going to be doing for the next episode "Above the Law" from 1988, uh, directed by one Andrew Davis, but more importantly, starring Steven Seagal. How fun! Yep. <laughs> I get this one back. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait. I was going to say, you can hide it very well. I'm doing such a great job. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Above the Law. That's going to be fun as hell. It's going to be... Yeah, that sounds good. I'm sure I'll enjoy myself. It's going to be so fun. Just a little bit. All right. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, in case you didn't it's know... It's got Pam Greer and Sharon Stone, so I'm sold. And it's got Steven Seagal. I don't care. It's literally all about Pam Greer and Sharon Stone for me right now. (laughs) Roger Ebert says, uh, in a fresh review, it contains 50% more plot than it needs, but that allows it room to grow in areas not ordinarily covered in action thrillers. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. So Juan and I run a website. It's called Dim the House Lights. You can find it at dimthehouselights.com. Reviews, essays, uh, capsules, uh, the tournament of films, two tournaments of films, actually. And uh, guest writers, all sorts of cool shit, uh, all for your perusal for free at dimthehouselights.com. 
uh, both uh, Juan and I write. We also have uh, a small stable of, uh, of writers, Michelle Arf, Chris Mello, and Ross Burks. This episode, I think, will be the first one to be released under the Noise Space Podcast Network banner, which is uh, being run by uh, my friend and yours, Matt Ribeiro. And mm-hmm. uh, Matt and I actually have another podcast, which is currently dormant, called... Uh, the Field Guide to Canadiana. One of these days, we will record another episode. I promise. You can also listen to uh, Ross and Michelle's podcast, Reloading the Canon, which is also featured on the Noise Space Podcast Network. You can find all of my shit at uh, MontrealSchlockCity.com. You can find all of Juan's shit at uh, the Miami New Times. Uh, are you writing anywhere else these days, man? No, <laughs> just with you. And uh, we are both on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, my username at both places is Derek underscore G and Juan's is Whoa It's Juanito. That's Whoa W O A H It's Juanito, all one word. So um, I think that covers everything. Yeah, it does. See you next week, nerds. What he means is that we will see you in two weeks. We promise. I know, but that's what I roll with. Okay. Well, you're wrong, but okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs>